The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining me today here on The Shaleen Show. Today, I want to share with you some quick tips to help you improve your relationship. Most of these suggestions will be for those of you who are in a relationship and want to improve your relationship. And by relationship, I mean a romantic relationship. But as I'm reading through some of the ideas and tips that I've written down and the things that we practice, these are things we also do with our kids. Not all of them, but like a lot of them. What I've discovered is a lot of what improves relationships is universal. All right, so without further ado, here we go. Let's start with the most important principle of all. Like if you can wrap your head around this principle, if you can write this phrase down, if you can think about this before any interaction with anyone who's significant to you, I promise things are going to improve. And and here it is. (laughs) People want to feel significant. They want to feel appreciated and loved. They want to be important to you. And what happens when we're in a relationship is We're often treating people in a way that is a response to how we feel like they're treating us. So then it creates this kind of negative dance where I'm going to treat them a certain way so that they understand they need to respect me, that I am significant and I am important and they need to value and respect me. And so I'm not going to be kind or loving or caring or thoughtful towards them. I'm not going to accept the way that they're treating me, and I'm going to let them know that, or I'm going to treat them poorly and hope that they read between the lines. And that just does not work, which is why most relationships fail, because we're we're egomaniacs, we're selfish, we're insecure, and that's how we show up sometimes in our relationships. And to treat somebody with respect and love and thoughtfulness when they're not doing the same for you is really freaking hard. And that's why relationships are hard. But you have a choice. Your relationship can get worse or you can suck it up, buttercup, and be the bigger person. And I know what some of you are saying right now. is like, I've been doing that for years and years and years. And I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe you might just be the saint and the person who you're with might just be a horrible person who just doesn't respond to this. I suppose that's possible. I actually don't believe that there are very many horrible people in the world. I think there are people who have been horribly hurt and hurt people have a very difficult time responding to kindness. They have a difficult time having anything but self-loathing. And so sometimes those people, they just can't be helped because they won't help themselves and they don't respond to kind treatment. They don't reciprocate because they're in so much pain. And so that might be the person that you're with, in which case you got to get them into therapy because all the kindness and sweetness and thoughtfulness that you shower them with isn't going to make a difference if they can never feel it because their exterior is so tough to penetrate. But if you wake up every day and you think to yourself, okay, this next interaction or every interaction I have today, I'm going to make this other person feel significant. 
I'm not going to make them wear my impatience. I'm not going to respond to them negatively or expect them to read my mind. I'm not going to give them the cold shoulder. I'm not going to be sarcastic or short-tempered or impatient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be loving. When they're not in my presence, I'm actually going to think for a moment, what would make them feel really amazing right now, really loved, appreciated, adored? And I'm going to send them a text or I'm going to think about what I'm going to say the next time I see them. If you just turn this podcast off right now and you follow that principle, I promise you, your relationship is going to get better. The next thing you have to do is ask. We make so many assumptions because we've been together for, Brett and I, almost 30 years now. That's crazy. We just got a notification from American Express that thanked us for being uh, members for 30 years. I'm like, what? How is that possible? I am just 30 years old. At least that's how I feel. But even though we've been together for that long and American Express members for that long, hey, this podcast should be sponsored by American Express, but it's not. Even though we've been together for forever, I make assumptions sometimes, and especially I did for the first like probably 15 years of our marriage, and he made assumptions about what I was thinking and feeling. And now I've learned to ask and ask in a way that isn't confrontational, to ask in a way where I'm really trying to get to the bottom of how it is he feels or what it is he's thinking. I don't make assumptions that the reason why he wants me to do X, Y, and Z, or the reason why he's acting a certain way is because of something, a story I've put together in my own head. I've got to ask him. And I think that's how we show love and appreciation for the people who are in our lives. Instead of saying, you know, you were really rude to me the last time we talked. Or, you know, I've noticed, let's say you're talking about a friend. I noticed that I'm always having to reach out to you to suggest that we get together. Instead of responding in a way that's accusational, just ask and say, you know, I notice that I tend to be the person who's suggesting we get together. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's because you're super busy and I don't want to make any assumptions. I certainly don't want to assume that you don't want to spend time with me. I really want to know what's going on in your life so I can show up better for you and not take it personal. It's saying to your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, hey, I notice when this happens, a little shift, a change. Now, you don't always want to say, hey, I notice that when you come back from your mom and dad's house, you're in a really bad mood and you're very short with the rest of us. Like, Don't say that, because that in and of itself is so accusational. Instead, you might say, hey, I noticed that when you come back from your mom and dad's place, I just noticed kind of like a little shift in your energy. I'm like, what does that feel like? And how, how do they make you feel? What is it about going to their house that, I don't know, impacts you in a way or shifts your your mood or your energy or your focus? Just ask questions without labeling it or giving it a negative label. That's my next step. Avoid negative labels. There's a million ways for you to get your point across without making the other person feel like they've been backed into a corner or that you're making accusations about them or that they just are not understood. Here's what that might look like. Let's say you notice whenever there's a discussion about the kid's school that your significant other gets really defensive, really angry, really short-tempered. And that's your observation of their behavior, the way that they respond. But if you were to tell someone, hey, I notice you 
get really short-tempered, really angry, really defensive, that's going to make them what? Feel more defensive. And does that help them to feel as though you see them and you understand that they're going through something? No, it doesn't. It just puts them on, on edge. So instead, you might say, when it comes to what's going on with the kids' school right now, I know it's a lot. But so how does it make you feel? Like, what, what are some of your thoughts around it? Rather than addressing the behavior or their outward shift in their personality or whatever, rather than giving it a negative label, just ask them what they're thinking and feeling. They might dip right back into that defensive explanation with you. They might get angry in how they're explaining how they feel, but at least they have an opportunity to be heard and to be seen. And the one thing you have to do when someone does share how they're feeling is you need to acknowledge it. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it, and it doesn't mean that you should try to fix it or debate it or tell them that they're not entitled to feel the way that they feel. Instead, just acknowledge it, validate it. I get it. I completely can understand how that would make you feel that way. I, I can understand why that's what you're thinking. And then leave it at that, even though in your know-it-all brain, see, now I'm talking to myself, even though in your know-it-all brain, what you want to say is, you know what, you're wrong because X, Y, and Z. And let me explain to you why your feelings aren't accurate and why the way that you're responding isn't helping matters. When you offer someone the space to be heard, that means you've got to give them the parameters around what they've just said to let them know you heard it and you're not going to try to fix it or change it or address it or debate it. So walk away, drop it, just acknowledge it, agree with them, validate them, and then make a note to yourself that at another time, when this person is in a much better headspace, that you might say to them, you know, I've really been thinking a lot about your feelings with regard to X, Y, Z. And I wondered if you'd ever considered this perspective. That's all. You're not debating them. You're not changing the subject. You're not telling them that they were wrong. And it's all about timing. And that's my next tip. Timing is everything. And this is hard because when it's important to us, we want to address it right now. We want to address it in the moment. And I know a lot of relationship books will tell you, you've got to nip things in the bud in the moment. Like communication should be direct. It should be immediate. It should be timely. I completely disagree. Now think about it. Think about the last time you were super stressed out and angry and anxious. Were you able to hear another person's side of the story? Hell no. You just need to be right and you need to shut it down. You need to walk away. So in the moment when people are agitated or frustrated or just not in a good space, just be aware of that. Like have some common sense and think about it. Is I know it's urgent for you. I know you want it solved right this moment. But you want it solved, ultimately. So if addressing it in this moment helps you to get it out, but it doesn't solve the problem, what's the point? Solve it when you have the best opportunity to be heard by the person you need to talk to. My next tip is keep your friends and family out of it. Period. End of subject. I mean, Brett and I have gone through some pretty gnarly gnarly things in our marriage because hello we've been together like I said married 25 together 30 and the worst thing you can do is involve family you know why because they can't help 
but store those things away. And you are never going to share the story in a way that's favorable or even fair to the other person. You're going to share your side of the story. And your friends and family members, they will remember that. And they will not likely forgive or even forget the story that you shared with them, which, by the way, was probably pretty one-sided. We love to paint ourselves as, as saints. And I, I just don't think that's fair. First of all, they're only getting your side, and then they're going to weigh in on it. The only exception to that might be if you really need solid advice, in which case I think you should go to a therapist or if you have one, and I legit mean like one trusted friend that no matter what, you know they would take it to the grave. And it works out best if you have information from them that you know they need you to take it to the grave. You know what I'm saying? Like I I didn't go to my friends when we were going through like when I discovered Brett's gambling addiction, I went to, initially, I just went, I had one friend that knew, I mean, I had close friends who I was spending time with every single day, and I didn't tell them what we were going through. I had one friend who I disclosed it to because I was a thousand percent positive she would take it to their her grave, and also that she would battle me. She would say like, well, but wait, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? Like, I knew she wouldn't just take my side. Now, this takes incredible strength because when we're hurt, when we feel wronged, we want validation. So it is our go-to to go to our friends and family members and say, can you believe this? How wrong is this person? It's just like when you're in middle school and you get in a fight and you want, you want to tell all of your girls and your little clique what's happened because you want to be validated. You want them to say like, you were right and they were wrong. Well, that is not helpful to a marriage. That is not helpful to a relationship. You've got to question your motives when you're seeking counsel from someone else. First of all, is that person in a position to give you advice? Have they already been through this? Are they more experienced than you? Are they unbiased? Will they take it to their grave? Will they not get involved? And most of us don't have that kind of person, really. We think we do. We usually don't have that kind of person in our lives. And that's why you got to go to a therapist. A therapist is going to call you on your BS, and they can't disclose anything that you disclose to them or they'll lose their license. Like I have friends that I send all the time to my friend, Dr. Michaela, and uh, she can't even, she's not even legally allowed to mention that she's treating someone who I sent to her. And that, that's for their protection and her protection. She could lose her license. So finding a great therapist is one way to do that. Obviously, we've talked about that many times on the show. You can find somebody locally. There's lots of online services now, a couple of which are sponsors of the show, but I won't get into that right now. But I probably should mention to you our show sponsor because it's a good one today. Today, we are sponsored by my friends at Trophy Skin. Trophy Skin became a podcast sponsor when they saw me on social media using one of their really cool at-home microdermabrasion systems. It's, I don't know if you've ever heard about microdermabrasion, but I have gone to the spa to have microdermabrasion done before, and uh, it was great. I love the way it made my skin feel. But then I discovered this little like machine that you could take at home, which I, even when I had it done in the spa, I thought, why couldn't we do this at home? So they've created a microdermabrasion system that you can do at home. It makes your skin so smooth and so clean, and it just gives it this glow, this radiance that makes your makeup go on beautiful. And if you don't wear makeup, God bless you. 
It's this machine. You just plug it in, and it's got all these different settings, so you know what setting to put it on if you're doing your neck or under your eyes or around your mouth, and it just gently exfoliates and sloughs away all the dead skin cells, and it just makes your skin look, I mean, radiant. Now, when I went to the spa to have microdermabrasion done, it, it cost several hundred dollars for one treatment. And they always say, you know, you have to do so many, blah, blah, blah. Now, here's the best part of this. Microderm MD retails normally for $300. Okay, but get this. Because you are a lifer, you get 40% off that price when you check out and use the code Shaleen. Super duper cool. It's salon quality microdermabrasion for soft, clear, glowing skin in literally just five minutes. To grab your 40% off, go to trophyskin.com and enter the code Shaleen. All right, back to the show. All right, back to my tips. The next one involves you making certain that you're not expecting people to read your mind or playing games. Playing games in general, it just, it doesn't work in relationships. It just doesn't. Maybe when you first start dating, I don't know, because I can't even remember that far back. But I do know this. When I need something, when I want something, as opposed to expecting my husband to just know it, I need to take it upon myself while I'm in a good space to explain what it is I really want and why, why it's important to me without pointing fingers, without saying, you need to do this. Instead, I start off by saying, you know what I really need? You know what would be really helpful to me? Because people love to be helpful. People love to be needed. So if you can help your partner feel needed and instead of feeling like they're being told what they have to do for you, there's a big difference. And that just boils down to you learning how to communicate things. Like how would you want to be asked this question? How would you want someone to explain to you what would help them as opposed to what you need to do for them? There's a big difference. It's about communication. Like just literally stop yourself and put it in writing. I always do this. I'll put it in writing on my phone, on a memo. I just shared with this on Instagram the other day. I have over 1,800 memos just this year <laughs> on my phone because I, I put things in writing. Sometimes I'll do it in my own handwriting. But I think through it and then I'll read through it and say, like, how, does, how would that make me feel if someone were to say this to me? Too often, even when it's with our kids or a, a friend, we just want to be heard. We want something. And we don't give very much thought to how will me saying this and how I say it, how will that make the other person feel and respond? We just feel righteous or feel like we are entitled or have an obligation to tell people what they're supposed to do and what it is we want without regard for the outcome. You have to imagine, like, what is the outcome? What is it I ultimately want? It's like when you're counseling employees. You have to ask yourself, like, okay, do I want this person to improve, to be better, or do I want to get rid of this person? And frankly, the way we talk to most people in relationships, that we, we, want, we want to keep this relationship, but we talk to them in such a way that if that person were an employee, they'd probably quit, right? Like if I have an employee, someone I'm working with, who I believe in their potential, I've got to very carefully, gently help them read between the lines to figure out what it is they need to do better. And I need to make them feel good about who they are, unless it's gotten to a place where they just aren't getting it. And I really need them to come to the conclusion that this ain't working out for us. Right. And that's pretty easy to do. 
All you have to do is be direct. Because if someone doesn't feel good about how they're doing, they want to go someplace where they do feel good. So that person will likely quit. Now, the same is true in relationships. If you're not making someone feel good about their, even the fact that they're trying, why would they stay? It doesn't feel good. They, they aren't making progress. We all want to feel appreciated. We want to feel good about who we are and our significance to others. We want to help. We don't want to be told what to do. We want to be important. This next one applies to all, rela- all important relationships, not just romantic ones, and that is intimacy. Now, I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about something that is much deeper, much more profound, and brings people together in a way that's hard to describe, whether it's your friends, your kids, or your significant other, it's, it's emotional intimacy. And emotional intimacy requires that we are present. Emotional intimacy cannot and will not happen if you have your phone in your hand. I repeat, you cannot be intimate with another person if you have your phone in your hand, which is us 98% of the time. Think about that. So here's my challenge. I want you to do this, and then I want you to hit me up on Instagram and tell me how this goes. The next time you're with your significant other and they start telling a story or sharing something with you, maybe it's a little bit about their day or how they're feeling or a frustration or whatever it is. Maybe it's something they're asking you to do for them. I want you to look up from your phone, smile, and then go, hold on, let me put this away so I can really focus on what you're saying. And I want you to notice how that person responds. And if they didn't pick up on it, do it again. Do it a few more times in the same day. And watch how, number one, you're going to feel more connected to what they're saying. Number two, they're going to feel it. And that's a very powerful way to begin a connection. If you're talking to your kids, I highly encourage you to do this. Let them see you putting the phone down. Just make a big deal about like, hold on a second. I want to put this away because I want to give you my undivided attention. That is such a gift that we can give to other people. Intimacy means asking questions, actually listening without interrupting to talk, repeating back what that person said, going a little deeper, understanding who they are and what they're thinking and what they're feeling and their experiences and Two people walking into the same room, the same experience, in the same moment are going to have two very different interpretations, feelings, and responses to what they just experienced. And lastly, for those of you who are in a committed relationship, I think you have got to prioritize physical intimacy. That can mean physical touch. That can mean just putting your phone down and rubbing a person's shoulder or going to bed together without your devices, going to bed together, together. So many couples, now one goes to bed really early, one stays up really late, and it's just so hard to feel connected when your, your circadian rhythms aren't even connected. One's waking up really early, one's going to bed really late. It is so important that you stay as much as possible, and I know sometimes it's, it's not possible, But when it is, prioritize it. Prioritize going to bed together. I know that's the time when you like to stay up late or I know you like to go to bed early and they like to stay up late. Whatever it is, at least a couple nights a week, prioritize going to bed together. And we'll save the 
the physical intimacy, like the in-depth conversation about that. I think I'll say that for another podcast. It's one we need to we need to dig into that. But I think I need to bring you an expert. No, in fact, I know I need to bring you an expert because, hello, I've been with the same person. You need to hear from an expert who has treated lots of different couples. Speaking of which, I recently binged a ton of podcasts from Esther Perel. It's spelled E-S-T-H-E-R. I forget how you spell Perel. I'll put in the show notes. But fascinating sessions with a, a couples or a marriage, no, a relationship therapist. And oftentimes it gets into sex and childhood. And it's just really interesting. She treats every type of couple you can possibly imagine. And these are recorded calls. And they're juicy and fascinating. And even if your relationship is nothing like theirs, there's always something I can take away from her session. So shout out to Esther Perel. Maybe we could get her on the show. Yeah, Kristen, let's get Esther Perel on the show. That would be the bomb. Listen, you guys, I love you. I've got all of your requests. I know you're asking for a moving meditation to help reduce anxiety. That's coming soon. Uh, We are still going to do a three-day reset, depending on when you're listening to this, you might still be able to sign up for it. It's free. You can go to shaleen.com forward slash three-day reset. It's the number three, the number three-day reset. But to stay in the know, be sure to get on my newsletter at shaleen.com. All right, guys, I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. 